This is The Guardian. I'm Gabrielle Jackson, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story, Newsroom Edition, where Guardian Australia's editors discuss the news of the week. Gambling ads are everywhere, and even the Prime Minister has had enough. Uh, We are concerned about gambling ads, and that's why I find them, frankly, annoying, as do, I think, most people who are trying to watch... Opposition leader Peter Dutton says they are changing the culture of the country and wants to ban betting ads during sports broadcasts. In our country, footy time is family time, but the bombardment of betting ads takes the joy out of televised sports. Independent MP Zoe Daniel wants bookmakers off our screens altogether. The Prime Minister is annoyed. The opposition leader has had enough. That's all very well. How about doing something about it then? Australians lose more on gambling than any other country in the world. And growing community concern has forced politicians to listen. Today, I'm talking to Editor-in-Chief Lenore Taylor and Head of News Mike Tischer about the growing political will to ban gambling ads. It's Friday, the 16th of June. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, Lenore. Morning, Gabs. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Gambling advertising seems to be everywhere we look, all over the TV, all over the internet. Lenore, where does The Guardian stand on this? Well, that's actually something that's changing as we speak. So it was also all over our website and in particular all over our sports pages and that was something that our readers complained to me about probably more than anything else. And we and many other outlets have been reporting on mounting concerns about the proliferation of particularly sports betting, advertising and gambling harm. And that's the same in the UK. We've done a lot of reporting on it there. So after um, very long deliberation, I have to say, we have come to the conclusion that we have a global policy now to reject gambling advertising and that's going to apply to all online audio, video, print ads in the UK where we have a print edition and all forms of gambling except lotteries because we think lotteries are a bit different because there's such a gap between the purchasing of the lottery ticket and the finding out if you won or not. So it's not directly linked to the growing debate in Australia. It's something we've been thinking about for a long time, but it makes me feel more comfortable that we can participate in that debate and report on that debate 
absolutely certain that we're not part of the problem. And Mike, just bringing it back to Australia, what has been happening here to make this such a big story recently? Gambling has always been intrinsically associated with sport in Australia, as it has been in in other countries, right back to the very earliest days of the colony. But in recent years, that has been supercharged by a few factors, of which the most, probably the most significant is the rise of the internet and particularly the smartphone. It's much easier to gamble instantly than it ever was before. There are many more opportunities to do so. The proliferation and speed via the internet has just changed the situation beyond all recognition from what it was. And there's been a rising tide of complaint, I think, as Lenore alluded to on our particular site, but also much more generally about the number of betting ads that people are exposed to, whether they're watching sport on free-to-air TV, online, via streaming services, just in their normal social media use, it's everywhere. At the stadiums, on the on on the jerseys, jerseys <laughs> yeah, everywhere, everywhere. And it's this has been, you know, the chorus of discontent about this has been noticeably rising anecdotally, and including, and that's also borne out by more formal reports on the on the subject about how much people hate it. Even people who love, in fact, yeah. probably especially people who love sport because they're the ones who see it most often. Yeah, and I think there's been this real concern that we're getting to the point where, you know, children are talking about the odds and bookmakers and, you know, same-day multis and bonus bets and it's becoming the impression is being created by the advertising, which you can't get away from, that you're not a real sports fan unless you're having a bet. The impression from the advertising is also that it's the way that you have fun with your mates. And, you know, traditionally it has been a way to have fun with your mates to go to the races for a day. But the the prevalence and the targeting of the advertising is normalising gambling, not just as something some people do as a form of entertainment alongside sport, but as a kind of integral part of sport. And I think that really came home to me a little while ago when the chairman of the National Rugby League, Peter Vlandis, described his own sport not as like a game of skill or anything. He described the sport as wagering content. I mean, it's so integrally linked. I think that's what a lot of people are worried about. A lot of parents are worried about. They think their kids are being, you know, targeted or indoctrinated in a way into thinking that gambling has to go with sport, not maybe could sometimes, but is an integral part of it. And what do we know about the social harms that uh, go alongside, you know, intense gambling, Mike? So we've done quite a lot of stories on this, not just in relation to sports betting, but also in relation to pokies, perhaps even more so in pokies, but it applies to both pretty much equally, I think. There are sort of absolutely horrific individual cases that we've reported on of people who've lost literally millions of dollars eaten into their superannuation. The sort of classic case is a guy called Gavin Finneff who lost $8 million of money in which was not all his own money. He's in jail until at least 2028 because he stole millions of dollars from other people to fund his gambling addiction. But there's also statistical evidence to show that a lot of people who gamble are at risk of maybe not becoming an addict to that extent, but of losing more money than they can afford to, particularly young men between 18 and 34. And there was research done by the 
Australian Institute for Family Studies earlier this year that found about two-thirds to three-quarters of people indulging in sports betting specifically, so that's like excluding lottery tickets and so on, were at risk of harms from from their gambling, and that's based on their amount that they gamble, the, the frequency with which they gamble and so on. So that's a huge number of people. Lots of people gamble, and a very large percentage of them are at risk of harms, not to the extent of maybe losing millions of dollars, but to the extent of becoming, you know losing more money than they can really afford to and putting themselves and their families uh, into into serious financial situations. There has been a parliamentary inquiry into gambling advertising, Lenore, which is about to hand down its report, and there's been quite a bit of other political debate. What's happening there? I think the community pressure is turning into political pressure and it is growing and growing. So you're right, the Albanese government set up an inquiry last September into online gambling and its impacts on problem gamblers. And it's been, you know, hearing some pretty startling evidence over those months and it's about to release its recommendations. The opposition leader, Peter Dutton, used his budget speech in reply to call for gambling ads to be banned before, during and after sporting matches. And the uh, opposition, the coalition, is introducing legislation in the Senate to try to sort of get in ahead of the inquiry and implement that. Zoe Daniels, the Teal MP from Victoria, has a private member's bill to ban gambling ads on broadcast media. And there's a whole lot of support for that across the crossbench among the Teals and people like David Pocock. Labor blocked debate on that bill because they were basically saying, look, wait up, we're about to respond to the findings of the inquiry. So I guess if you put all that together something's going to give. We just don't know exactly what or how far the government will go. And I think, you know, the pressure has become sort of almost insurmountable for the gambling companies, although they are pushing back and trying to sort of come up with alternative ways that they might advertise more responsibly, et cetera, et cetera, but get around this idea of a ban. Four Corners revealed that the NRL earned $50 million from agreements with bookmakers last year and the AFL is understood to have made between 30 to $40 million. Is it just too big to trust the sports codes themselves to do something about this? Well, I think it's very ingrained into the sport. So what we sort of have learned over the years is that it isn't just sponsorship deals between sports and their official wagering partners and, you know, the names across the jerseys, etc. Sporting codes now, many of them, get a cut of the gambling turnover from each match. So they directly benefit from how much people gamble on their sport. And what Four Corners was showing is that's not just the big games. That goes down to, like, little grassroots games. So gambling has become... I think, a kind of addiction almost for sporting codes and for broadcasters who also rely on the revenue. And I think it's going to be a difficult thing for them to unwind. Mm, and it was particularly football. So the NRL and AFL don't indulge in that gambling down to that same level that football does, which is, you know, you would hazard a guess is because it's got fewer spectators, doesn't get such big broadcasting deals as, as the two main football codes. But that was quite a stunning revelation that games down to a really quite low level in soccer in in Victoria and elsewhere are 
available for people to gamble on worldwide, and they do. <laughs> it's yeah. just extraordinary. And I was shocked by the tennis matches too, the umpires giving the bet makers the results live. Mm. And that, that's obviously a case, uh, as it is with football, where the, the you know their financial model has become so enmeshed with the gambling companies mm. that it's really hard to see Wagering how they can content. get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so what are the gambling companies saying about this, Lenore? One thing they say, you know, and I think it has some validity, is that if we really crack down in Australia, then Australians are going to go to sort of illegal offshore operators. They're still going to gamble. The opportunities will be there on the web, but it won't be companies in Australia that are obliged to follow Australian regulation. I think they also sort of are putting forward alternative, you know, lesser measures of regulation that in terms of payment systems and, you know, how they retarget ads and when ads can run and that sort of thing. They're looking for plan Bs, if you like, short of a ban. And they're also really talking up how much they fund sport, how much they fund grassroots sport, how, you know, how much they contribute to the economy, et cetera, et cetera. And I think some of the broadcasters are making similar claims. And I was really kind of struck by Free TV, which represents the commercial broadcasters, who said in their submission to the inquiry that any further restrictions would have significant revenue implications for Australian TV networks and their ability to invest in sports, news and current affairs and Australian content. So they're sort of saying this revenue is so much part of their business model that taking it away would have quite widespread effects on what they can offer. This all sounds a little bit familiar, Mike. It it sounds kind of like the arguments that Big Tobacco made when the question of their advertising was being called into question. It does, and the arguments from the peak sporting bodies are also very similar. In those days, they said they couldn't do without the tobacco revenue because that was used to fund grassroots sports. Tobacco advertising was banned. It turned out they were fine, (laughs) basically. They found other sources of revenue. Now we're talking about gambling revenue, they could argue, well, you know, that was one of the things that substituted for tobacco revenue. But, you know, the AFL has been boasting about how many it's been the biggest season ever for crowds so far, or they're on track to be the biggest season ever. They have many other sources of revenue through through the gate, you know, through attendances, through TV rights deals, et cetera, et cetera. They're not struggling for And surely cash. other types of businesses would sponsor teams. I mean, I yeah, can remember I mean, when the Canberra Raiders used to be sponsored by Canberra Milk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are, there are so many teams that contrary to the wishes, well, maybe not to the wishes, but contrary to the position of their governing bodies who have rejected gambling. The Sydney mm. Swans in the AFL, South Sydney Rabbitohs and others in the NRL have said, no, we don't want, we don't want gambling ads. And they seem to be, you know, they're not, they're doing okay. not mm. poor yeah. by comparison with other teams. They've found other sources. So obviously our Australia's response is still being formulated. What do we know about what other countries are doing and is there anyone we could learn from, Lenore? Yeah, lots of countries have taken action. I think in the UK the Premier League agreed to ban bookies' logos from players' match shirts, jerseys, although, you know, lots of people say that's not enough. I think Spain has a blanket ban on gambling ads. Italy does. The Netherlands and Belgium are taking action. I think lots of countries are doing something about this for very similar reasons. Uh, And that is basically a list of the countries in Europe that produce all the best young footballers. So it (laughs) feels like they're not too worried about grassroots sports in their their countries. Lenore, we started on The Guardian's decision. Obviously, advertising is going down in media. How, you know, you said it was a difficult decision. How did you come to this decision? It was a discussion with our colleagues in the UK and the US 
And it is a decision that comes at a cost. I mean, for us, it's a cost that you'd measure in millions of dollars. And it was our fastest growing ad category because gambling advertising is growing so fast. But, you know, like I said, I think we needed to stop while we could before this revenue was too much part of our business. So, you know, we just had to say, okay, enough. Next, questionable conferences and mysterious murders. Hey, Laura Murphy-Oates here. At Guardian Australia, we want to make sure you're getting the news that matters in 2023. Our morning mail and afternoon update newsletters are short and capture the most important headlines of the day. If that sounds good, you can subscribe for free right now by visiting the Guardian homepage, searching Guardian Australia newsletters, or just downloading our app and you'll get daily notifications. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now we come to what we can't get out of our head. Mike, what was it for you this week? So I want to talk briefly about the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship. Readers may not be familiar with this organisation and it's a bit, little bit unclear what its goals are, <laughs> but it involves some interesting people. Jordan Peterson, who I'm sure people have heard of, and Bjorn Lomborg, who is someone who has argued very strongly that our focus on climate policy is not in addressing the more acute issues in the world. I think that's the right way to put it. Now, they're having a conference in October. This is a global organisation, having a three-day conference in London in October, and some Australians are going. Tony Abbott and John Howard are the most prominent. Some other politicians, Andrew Hastie, MP among them, and John Anderson. And it is just fascinating to see what's going to come out of this very vaguely worded organisation. like citizenry. If, <laughs> so there's obviously a, there's a kind of climate part of it from Lomborg and others who are involved. There's a Jordan Peterson part of it from his sort of tangled word sellers. He says, it's, he says what it's going to look at are, quotes, issues metaphysical, cultural and practical and issues pertaining to the meaning of life. So, you know, quite a broad palette, <laughs> I think. And we'll have a lot to talk about. They will have mm, a lot to talk about. Of life. And um, there's also also a sort of Brexit angle. There's a guy called Paul Marshall involved who has a put family a angle? hedge fund mm. hedge fund manager. A who heterosexual family angle. <laughs> put a lot of money behind the Brexit campaign. So yeah, it is gonna be one to watch when it comes around in October. It'll be very interesting, I'm sure. Lenore, 
What was it for you this week? I kept thinking about the story uh, from North Queensland about the hunt for a serial crocodile killer, which appears to be or is alleged to be a vigilante killer who is decapitating crocodiles. And there was a local crocodile tour operator who had been taking tours for many years and for decades had been encountering a female crocodile who he called Lizzie after Queen Elizabeth because she had a habit of waving at you like the Queen. Yes, they do. My first first question, how the hell does a crocodile wave? Anyway... And then he and then he found he got a call from someone who said that that he was the apex predator. Now he killed the crocodile, and then Lizzie was found decapitated. And this is the second time a crocodile has been found decapitated in North Queensland. I mean, so many questions like how you decapitate a crocodile and how crocodiles wave, and also serious questions about the clash between crocodiles as a species and residents concerned that they're, you know, living with crocodiles in the creeks and the rivers and the beaches near their homes. So I found it quite interesting. And stay tuned for updates on that story. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lenore. Thanks, Gaz. Thank you, Mike. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert and Daniel Simo. The executive producer is me, Gabrielle Jackson. Hope you have a great weekend. See you Monday. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 